You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. God on Sunday. God on Sunday. Keeper of the dead. King of graveyards. Hear our call. Make your presence known. Rise to our call. This is a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Summer Camp at PoppyChuloRadio.com and iTunes exclusive. Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. I'm your host and camp director, Maurice Skatewood. Tonight on Summer Camp, we're going to explore some of Hollywood's campiest flicks, cult classic motion pictures, and fan favorite films. Please welcome my co-host, our director of residential life, the man from the future himself, Legionnaire. Good evening, campers. What's happening? Hey. Our activity leader, the artist currently known as Vanetta Berry. What's up? Hi, campers. It's me. And always serving it up hot, our head chef, Derek Anthony. What's going on? Caliente. How is everybody? All right. Fabulous. Throwing some extra spices in there. All right. Before we begin, here's one of our campers on our PA system with a few announcements on how you can interact with us via social media. Thank you for the intro and sorry for the microphone feedback. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash pcrsummercamp. Follow us on Tumblr. SummerCamp-PCR.tumblr.com Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? 
Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for Poppy Chula Radio Summer Camp and subscribe. Now, grab some popcorn and some snacks. It's time for your feature presentation. Back to you, camp counselors. Oh, not again. Sorry for the feedback. Thank you. All right, it's time to fire up the film projector so that we can discuss 1975's Coonskin. Here is the official synopsis of the film. A multi-layered satire of race relations in America, live-action sequences of a prison break bracket the animated story of Brother Rabbit, Brother Bear, and Preacher Fox, who rise to the top of the crime ranks in Harlem by going up against a con man, a racist cop, and the mafia. All right. Sounds like the elections. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm not going to start. I'm not going to start. I'm not going to start. Okay, so my, my traditional first question was, had anyone seen this uh, movie before? Oh, Lord, I, no. I had never... <laughs> I never. I never. <laughs> but Lana, you never seen it either. I had not seen it. Um, I had seen <laughs> clips of it in animation school, mm-hmm. but um, had never seen it in it in its entirety. And um, it's interesting. Very interesting. That is a word. That, you know, let's just jump into it. So first of all, I, I've always been a fan of um, live action mixed with sort of animation. Some of the stuff I watched when I was a little kid, you know, there were movies, movies and TV shows that had had a lot of that um, in it, if you can remember. Um, there was actually a like a Huckleberry Finn show that had that in it. Uh, um, there were certain movies that had, you know, live action. A lot of some of the Disney stuff, of course, you know, mm-hmm. like the bed knob and broomsticks and stuff. So obviously, this this uh, this movie kind of took a lot of that. And sort of twisted it, <laughs> you know, put like a more, you know, uh, uh, black exploitation spin on it. Um, even some of the backgrounds to the characters had like the Warner Brothers, you know, the red circle in the background that you usually see Bugs Bunny mm-hmm. in front of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, would we classify this as black exploitation? Oh, let's see. Hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I really don't have an answer for that. Because, <laughs> see, my, my thing with that terminology, I've always had an issue with it because I always thought movies, the, the ones that were made by black people for black people, were not exploitive of black people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was the ones that sort of came later when people tried to cash in on it you know, on the black power movement or whatever. And a lot of the movies that have become known as black exploitation weren't really made by black people. You know. So I, I don't I don't know if this would really Were there work. many movies in the seventies made by black people about? Well the ones that um um were made by um and I, I'm, y'all gonna shoot me for getting his name name wrong, but I know it was Mario Van Peoples uh, father. No. No. Melvin. Yeah, yeah, people, and and his movies and movies like that were that he made, but actually Shaft was not. No, most of them were not. No, you know, most of them were black exploitation movies were made because the theaters, the, the the studios weren't making much money off of movies, and they could make these movies cheap, and they actually helped save a lot of the studios. Right. They never got the recognition for that, but yeah. And, and also when, but when they first started, you know, there was a certain amount of quality, you know, if you can call it that. But once they start, it's like disco, mm. you know, and how people think of disco as this horrible art form, this horrible musical. Disco was fab when it started. Yeah, that depends you know? on who you are. Exactly. Never, <laughs> but I've never seen disco in that sense. I right. love but, disco. But once once it became popular, you had everybody making it, and then that brought it down. You know what I mean? And and but if you remember the early days of disco, disco music was very high quality. It was not mm-hmm. commercial. You had people with with no musical ability. You know, kind of bringing whole bringing down the whole genre of disco. And disco never exactly. went away. Disco never went away. It became house music. Or, can say that for number things that are made popular. Yeah, there's a number. I mean, you can say that for a number of things. Um, once it becomes popular, I mean, look at what happened with rap. Yeah. Well, I guess when we lose, I guess when a certain, you know, when we lose control, or we, or sometimes there's a danger when you share things with the world. You know, it kind of it can get hijacked and morphed into something else. Um. This movie didn't, I don't feel like it had a black power message. I thought it was almost making fun of the black power movement. You know what I'm saying? It was almost like, you know, it was a satire of everything, of everybody. Right, right. It made made fun of quite a bit of things. So let's talk... Let's talk first about the cast. Um, there are a lot of familiar, familiar. Uh, yeah, uh, frighteningly faces. familiar faces. <laughs> yeah, you know, and voices. Oh my right, god, and voices. Oh my god, I'm telling you, this thing kind of messed with the childhood real bad. Well, uh, so those of us of a certain age. We all know Scatman Carruthers. 
Yeah. Scott Mankler, he was he was in Chico and the Man. He was in, uh, you know, uh, The Shining. He was in um, uh, the the um, Twilight Zone movie. Um, you know, he was such a in, in Saturday morning cartoons. He, he was it was so such. A, when you talk about voices from your childhood, but I never. Yes, heard I I've never um, heard him use the N-word before, you know. Uh, Hong Kong Fui didn't talk like that. Right. <laughs> right. And, right. and did my favorite Transformer jazz. Right. And, 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 and neither did Meadowlog Lemon. He did not it, speak that way. Right. <laughs> By transform, Transformers, N-words, and disguise. Um, but, yeah, it was really interesting you know, and the song and the music was not written by an African American. Okay, so I'm like, you know, what <laughs> what mindset would someone have to who is not African American have to sit down and write a song like that for for someone to to sing at the beginning of the? Uh, but I'm assuming that Scott Man Carruthers may have had a, a background in blues singing or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't oh, know. Absolutely. That man, including being right. a exactly. So, yes. Back then, you could, back then, you couldn't just be pretty with a personality. You mm-hmm. actually had to have talent. He, he did a number of things. He acted. He sang. He danced. Well, you know, I you know, I remember going over a relative's an older relative's house. And she had all these records. Everybody dropped albums back in the day. Della Reese and every everybody had albums back in the day. Dorothy Dandridge, Della Reese, and a lot of them were like Italian arias, but made with different lyrics. It was it was interesting. It was very interesting. Just because since you're making fun of old people, did you know that Richard Pryor? Actually, sign. He used to I open didn't... for. He used to open for Nina Simone. Mm. No, I did not know that. Yeah, open for Nina Simone, that, and he's actually trying to be a singer, but his comedy career took off first. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Well, it's, I I can believe it since comedy and timing and is so important. You know, so Philip Michael Thomas. But I think then I think in the credits he was just Philip. Thomas. Yes, Philip Thomas. Yeah. Who was who aged very well. He must have been 12 in this show. (laughs) (laughs) I I was thinking so Vanetta, you think he was maybe around 23 or so? He was in his early 20s. He is definitely very young. But he looked, you know, he he aged very well. I mean, when was Miami Vice? Was that mid eighties or? 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, he was, you know, he doesn't look that different. But when I've seen like pictures of him lately, it's not like you're not, you know, you're not thinking, oh, what happened? You know, so. no, he's, he's still very, he was still very, very pretty. How's that so tragically wrong? So did anybody else catch the whole? Brer Rabbit connotation like throughout the entire movie. Yes, yeah. I loved it. I did. I, I thought that was it. Made it. It made it interesting. That I will say. That was like the only 
part that kept me going. Because mm-hmm. it was a little harsh. Yeah. Some of it was just like, I can't take this. But I love finding ways to that they were spinning that particular, like all, all those Br'er Rabbit stories into this, what was then a modern story. Yeah. I think what kept me going was it was a kind of, alleg- it was an allegory, you know, in, in a way, just the way these characters kind of move through. I mean, some of it was just hideously, it, it was just grotesque, you know, all of it. Um, and people have compared this movie to, um, say it's uh, similar similar to Cool World. Mm. But well, it's the same director. But you know what I have? You know what? I found this easier to watch than Cool World, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did. I, 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 cool World was a chore, baby. I was like, <laughs> it was a chore. Um, and then we had Charles Charles uh, Gordon. Is that how you say his name? That played um, Preacher Man, Preacher Fox. Yeah. And then Barry White as Samson Brother Bear. Uh, obviously, uh, also. Uh, it's, I don't know if this was his acting debut, but <laughs> I was like, Barry White. All right, Barry White. Yeah, that, now that was a, a surprise. But of course, as soon as I heard the voice, I mean, it was it. Yeah. Yeah. Did y'all like so. his hair? <laughs> well, you know. It, that it, hair is, it was very white. <laughs> that hair is whipped. Okay. Let me tell you know, I'm just going okay. to be honest here. Bear is kind of what got me through this movie. Mm. Um, yeah, he, he was a little hot. He was a little sexy. As, as the bear. As the bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bear, bear. I did like Bear. I thought Bear was also kind of a, a take, a kind of a, a spoof of the, you know, the Disney Bears. You know, mm-hmm. what they always had the Disney Bears, whether it be from uh, Jungle Book or from uh, what, were the, what were the other bears? Those are the ones that had a little jug band and stuff. I forget what they were. Bear and um, Robin Hood. That was the same bear from Jungle Book, though. Yeah, you know it was always that. <laughs> he just all those characters in Robin Hood were the were the creatures from uh, from Jungle from um, 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 Jungle Book, and the fox mm-hmm. and the fox was uh, also the same as uh, was it the fox and the hound? What's yeah. that another? No, because those are those are they were the, they were children though. Yeah, I'm talking about the way. The the way they look, though. Oh, okay. I just talk about the way the way they they had that look. So, as an as an artist, as an animator, what did you think? Just from a technical standpoint, Renata, what did you think of um, of of their uh, execution? Um, there were some there were some points that were well animated. And then there were other points that I was just like, what were they doing? It just seemed like they took a bunch of college students and <laughs> created the animation and said, like, hey, guys, just have at it. 
and some of the cuts were weird and the overlays were awkward I just it was a lot confusing mm-hmm. but um I don't know if it was the way things were cut together or just the imagery that was on the screen that was just very disjarring um, for me. It was just really weird. Like the the interplay was awkward to me. The the overlays, some of them were just so random and yes. But I have to admit that I I. I Cause I'm a fan of like the '80s, like um, like the heavy metal. Um, there was another '80s movie. Gosh, I forget the name. It was called Fire and Ice. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a fan of that kind of jarring, kind of over the top. And it wasn't anime because I, I love anime, but these movies weren't anime. You can't really call them anime. They were sort of animated fantasy. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gave you know some of the some of the more jarring aspects of this. I kind of liked. I kind of, I kind of wish that the overlays and stuff. Um, I don't know the technical jargon, but I'm assuming when you when you're talking about when they put the animation over the live action sort of melded together. Is that what, when mm-hmm. you said overlay? Is that what you mean, Vanetta? Yes, where okay. there, there's a live action background. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. an animated yeah. foreground, but they're yeah. not really interacting. It was just like they picked up random stuff off the floor <laughs> of the of the editing room and was like, "Oh, let's put this in here." And then they were like, "Oh, we already have this scene. Let's just put this in the background." So it, was- it just didn't seem very um, purposeful. It was only one scene where it really worked, and I don't know if it was by accident. One of the characters was walking down the street, and it looked like a guy was talking to him, and the guy was walking backwards. Yeah, I know exactly the thing you're talking about. The guy was talking to the character. I think it was when Bear got shot, and he was walking down the street, and dude literally backed up away from him. But he was talking to him, and was back, and I was like, why couldn't they have achieved that more often? You know? Mm. And then there were scenes, like in the church scene, like the, the guy in the church scene, where, yeah, it could have worked if the acting was <laughs> better, but you don't know if, they, if, the, if the scene was actually really made for that. You know, or did they just pick it from, from wherever? Um... There was one scene that I, there were a couple of scenes that that I liked. I actually liked, even though it made no damn sense. Um, when the mother was shot and she transformed into this beautiful oh, when she turned into a, a butterfly, a butterfly. <laughs> yeah. right. That was gorgeous. That was beautiful. That was a very was interesting like- scene. And I, I was wondering because you know the characters, the the uh, the Italian family, the, the the younger son, you know, he was based on from uh, from uh, you know the Italian opera, you know. Yes. So it was very Puccini when the mother died and she, you know, she transformed. You know, I don't know if that was supposed to be an ode to Madame Butterfly or <laughs> or um, some other Italian. Um, 
Alfred, but I was like, that scene was really so interesting. It was, but I also found it very disturbing the connotation about the mobster's sons and like there were there were all these like really morbid stereotypes of gayness. Yeah, that that was yeah. that was that was hard to watch. And like it was and, you know. it was oh I just it gave me the willies. You know because it was all a little different, but it was all under the same umbrella. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean they were I mean overly effeminate and, and, and borderline incestuous and it was like, oh come on. Uh, <laughs> it was hard to get through. That, that one, those pieces were hard to watch. What about the ones but what about the um like the barkeep? The barkeep yeah, that was also mm-hmm. really Yeah. You know, it was very gritty. It was very gritty and very, but it was very gritty and very seventies. The mm-hmm. barkeep character, the barkeep character was—I I don't know if they hadn't had him. I guess dressed like that. I don't know, but I mean, I've certainly met people like that. The brothers, though, they were just so. That was just so. That that was that was just much. <laughs> that was you know, so much. It, it, it's a shame because those actually actually the voice actors for those characters were actually better than a lot of the other voice. A lot of some of the voice acting in this was just like not good. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I just and I found it interesting that one of them had this <laughs> knockoff John Wayne voice. I was like. Wow, what is what, yeah, what, to, what, what, what are they trying to say here? They weren't trying to say it, they were saying it, they were blasting that. I was right, like, wow. He was giving you a little bit of a John Wayne, but with the uh Frankenfurter kind of vibe to him, you know. He was, you know, that was really, really, really a, a interesting. That, that yeah. Okay. Did they get a child to voice that youngest character? That youngest brother? God, I hope not. I hope it was a woman. I hope it wasn't really a little boy. Right. (laughs) I definitely hope not. (laughs) I mean, he didn't really say anything too foul, did he? He didn't need to be part of that. Children did not need to be part of this. (laughs) Children and and people and adults' childhood. Did not need to be a part of it. You know, so. um, Everything was kind of so disjointed. It's kind of like it was to follow the storyline was interesting, but then they would have these sort of interludes with with the uh, I guess the representation of America was this blonde woman. I was wondering if you were going to come to her. And those scenes, the first scene, though, I will admit, when they went to the the place and the girl turned out to be the sheriff's daughter, yeah, I was like, ooh. But did you see that coming, though? Well, yeah. 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 
I was like, and the sheriff just shot the deputy for looking at this little girl. Right. That graphic, it was very graphic. And the depth yeah. and the depth scenes are very graphic. Some of them I thought were um I have to admit, you're gonna think I'm a horrible person, but the sheriff's death was I felt effective as it fit in the movie. Some of the other ones just seem sort of random, you know, just sort of like, like, okay, you know, that didn't help the plot or move the plot along. It was just sort of, you know, it just sort of happened. But what, the death of the sheriff? No, some of the other ones. The death of the sheriff, I thought, worked in the movie the way it was. So that was necessary to show why they had to get, why they had to leave the South, because they did have to leave the South. Right. Right. Right, that 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 one was very effective, and just the way that they presented it was very, you know, it was, it was jarring, but it was very effective. Some of the other ones was just like, okay, whatever, <laughs> you know. So, um, well, let's talk about the voice acting of the of the of the main characters. Did you think that Barry White? Did he need to be a good actor, or do you think his voice just kind of powered it through? <sighs> Barry White, when Barry White opens his mouth and that voice comes out, it kind of just makes you believe. <laughs> yeah, it just it powered it through for me. It, it you know it was Barry White, so I could I could roll with it. Were, were you buying it, Vanetta? I was loving Barry White's voice. My mother was a Barry White fan all my life. And um, being that he's from Galveston, which is where I'm from, I was like, anything with Barry White in it. And it just made me giggle the whole time. Like, I couldn't, every time I heard his voice, it just made me giggle so much. It was perfect. I liked his, uh, I have to say, I was more convinced with his voice as the bear, as Brother Bear, for some reason, than as Samson. But, um, you know, I grew up in the house of my father. You know, he listened to, to, you know, Barry White. And, you know, my mother, she was more like listening to Dionne Warwick in the Fifth Dimension. <laughs> so, like that, you know. You know she, she was very, you know, she, she was very, yeah, they were, they were very different people. Okay, I'll just say it that way. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I liked him. I liked him as Brother Bear. He, he really, he put the king in. Brother Bear was kind of sexy. I'm telling you. He was. He was, he was kind of sexy. I was like, all right. Um, and well endowed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, you know, they made that one, the, one of the, uh, one of the, I don't want to get in trouble if the, if, the, if the brothers were, you know, you can't call people transsexual if they're not transsexual or if, if I don't know what they were supposed to be. Mm. But what they drew one of them with a, with a, monstrous uh, thing. You talking about the preacher? No, one of the brothers, remember? Oh, yeah, when he first, uh, when they first popped out of the, out of the trash can or whatever. He was with the other brother in the trash Mm -hmm. can. Right. Mm, Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah. I knew what I was hearing <laughs> when they were in the trash can. And I was like, yeah, that's not what I think it is. But then it turned out it was. Exactly. It turned out it was. Right. Your suspicions were confirmed. So as far as voice, back to voice acting, uh, I thought Philip Michael Thomas was, was good. Um, his character didn't look like him the way, you know, Barry's character kind of fit him, you know, it kind of kind of looked like him. Mm-hmm. But the Philip, Philip Michael Thomas uh, character didn't, didn't really didn't look like him. You don't think he matched his character? I think he matched his character, but I don't think the character like necessarily looked anything like him. I, mm. You know. A preacher Fox was just a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. A hot, yeah, hot, hot, hot steaming mess. Danny wrote, Danny Reese. Danny Reese played the clown. Danny Reese. Mm. Died. So he died in 2012 at age 77. Mm. So he he must have been an adult. Yes, he died in seventy seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he was born in nineteen thirty four. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he was the oldest person on the set. <laughs> right. That's interesting. So maybe he was just a voice actor that could do you know young sounding voices. Hmm. Isn't that entirely possible? I just think it's funny that the Godfather was Grandpa Monster. Yeah, yeah, that was a little disturbing for me. <laughs> uh, <sighs> Grandpa oh, Monster, not, not Grandpa. Grandpa Monster calling people the N word, y'all. <laughs> right. All out loud. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All out loud and aggressive. Right. What what would Yvonne DiCarlo think of you? (laughs) This is is just funny. So, um, back to Miss America. What were they calling her? Um, I think they just called her America, didn't they? Yeah, I believe so. So why do you think they represented her that way? Because she was supposed to be represent something pure and 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 uh, and untouched, but really she wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just, yeah, yeah. I just, I kind of yeah. got a kick out of some of those scenes, though. I have to admit, they were just, they were just. And then look at how she treated all of the black, all the black men. Right in the movie, but look how they were lining up to get with it too. Mm. That's that was another that was another that was the other side of, you know, I guess part of the downfall. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you're always striving to get what's not really what you what don't really want. To. You'll be be careful be careful what you wish for because when you when right. you get it, you, you might get more than what you uh Get get more than what you uh, thought you were. She denied one, and then she shot another one. Um, and then she cried rape on the third one. But the way she did it, how 
Right? No, because mm. he said he wasn't checking for her, right? Or something yep. like that. And she was just like, help, right? <laughs> she was just like so casual, you know. Uh, you know, and then there was some, I guess they tried to put some messages in this, but it was overshadowed because everything was just so. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a message about religion. There was a you know I guess that was like a commentary on the church and money and stuff like that. Um, how many messages could you really find in this? If you look, quite a few. Yeah. Okay. What was some? And that's just and that's and that's just the ones that we can see in 2017. You know, you lose stuff over the course of time um, and culture. So, you know, we're not really sure what we actually miss. But how many of those issues have really gone away? Well, I don't mean yeah. it's necessarily the issues have gone away, but the way of communicating is different now. True. Vanetta, what were you going to say? I... I got several messages from the movie in general. There was a lot of messages that I, um, a lot of, a lot of the message seemed to be rooted in like how, whether or not you can trust white people in general, um, whether or not you can trust the government, whether or not you can trust cops. Um, so like, this whole thing about like, hey, black people, these are all the things that could possibly happen to you if you trust these individuals. Right. And so that's what I got out of it. Like a lot of, you know, and then the little vignettes with the America woman, which is <laughs> like all the different ways that government America seems can to fuck you over. You over yes. Literally, no matter what, no matter what you do, no matter how nice you are, it right. keeps happening. You know those those little interludes reminded me of the show Love American Style. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, it yeah yeah I I agree with you. And also you know can we trust each other? You know the word you know the word coon gets thrown around a lot these days. It does. Uh, Mm. And and I think a lot of people are overusing it. Like now, it's like anybody that disagrees with you, any other black person that disagrees with you, what you think is a coon. But that's not really what that means. No, it's not. It, it means you know it means someone who 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 kind of sells out their own people to gain favor with you know with another group of people you mm. know I'm, I'm trying not to say it too you know graphically but you know what i mean mm. it's not like if i agree with something legionnaires thinking all of a sudden I, I, i'm a coon or legionnaire thinks disagrees with something that i say they're a coon you know people just throw it around for everything now but you know in these days it was like if you were part of the black community and you saw about the black community to gain favor with the white community, then you were a coon. That's, were a coon. Yeah. that's literally, that was really, the, there was really not a whole lot of subtlety with what how that was used, you know. Right. 
But you know now. But that, but that again goes to what I was saying earlier about um, the nature of things changing, the nature of how we communicate with each other changing. True. Because True. you do have people out here just you know using the word "coon" freely and loosely. And you know it's it has taken on a whole it's taking on a meaning other than what it originally meant. Right. I, I, I feel the same way with the word shade. Now everything is shade. You know, it's like mm. if you approach someone and they say, "I'm not interested in you," I'm with someone. That's not shade. <laughs> that's right. Just it's just it's just you know letting you know that please please don't waste your time or annoy me. <laughs> right. You know everything is shade now. You know everything is shade now. Do you like this shirt I'm wearing? It's not for me, but if you like it, that's fine. Oh, that's shade. Can that's I shade. tell you? This yeah. goes back to what you were talking about earlier with disco. Mm. Right, with other people and, and things getting things getting watered down and oversaturated. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think and, and to go back what you were saying about things, you know, I guess we're saying the same thing in different ways, like when, when yeah. things over time they lose their No, you were disagreeing with me. You're a cooning out. I'm not sure how much <laughs> 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 while I was while I was whipping and doing a uh, hustle, you know, doing disco, you know, and so I think when this movie came out, but the director of this movie was not African American, no, you know, and I don't remember any of the black exploitation movies that I saw that were made by black people having songs like "Move On, Nigga, Move On." You know, it, it seemed like such a, like he was trying to take it as far as it can go. Like, I'm going to make a movie that's so black and so, you know, you can say that he it was a satire on every racial group. But let's be honest, it was mostly, for me, it was mostly a satire on, on the black power movement. It, it was, you know, yeah, there was some... I guess Italian mafia stereotypes, but I don't think it was as intense. Or maybe not even a satire, but just again, it's one of these things which, you know, it's interesting given what happened uh, Sunday, you know, with with the award show. It is. What happened this, Sunday? Um, there was this little thing called the. <laughs> I believe the they give out these awards. They self congratulate each other. They pat each other on the back. And the movie about uh, uh, black gay youth one, which yeah, is best picture. Whoever thought that would happen? But one of the things that that showed is when we are allowed to tell our own stories, we tell it much better. There's an old saying. Um, how does it go? Um, if you don't tell your own story, the monkey will, and you can tell it better. And, and there's also another, I've also heard people say, you can't be angry at another group of people for not telling your story. That is true. And also, you know, it's funny, like, um, 
something like this versus something like Moonlight. You know, not to get too far off the subject, when I went to see Moonlight, it was in a movie theater in Westchester County. Um, and you will have to the audience was in the Baltimore, D.C. area. The, the audience was predominantly uh, white. And there were several conversations about them being disappointed with the ending of the movie. And I know why. I didn't have to even ask. Oh, I was like, but I said, I said, so much. <laughs> I said. Was it because he was not cured of his affliction? No, because there was no gay cowboy scene. Ah. Everything does not have, have to have, every gay movie does not have to have just because you have two good-looking men in a movie does not have to have an explicit, you know, sex Sexual. scene. Yeah, right. You know, they were like, oh, it ended, and, you know, the way it ended, like, that, I was just like, I thought it ended perfectly. I thought it was a you great know. ending to the movie. You know, I was like, everything ain't a gay cowboy movie. Well, you know? <laughs> since you mentioned that, let me say this, because I know you're referring to um, um, Brokeback Mountain. Right. Um, I never understood. I saw Brokeback Mountain. I never understood the gays falling over themselves for that movie because I don't consider that a gay movie. Uh, that movie came out during the uh, J.L. King time when the down low. Uh, hysteria was going on and is your man on the down low and what you can do to find out and protect yourself. And circumstances or whatever they were, these two characters at the end of the day were on the down low. Right. You yeah, know. But, that didn't, and, but that didn't make them any less gay. Right. Yes, but... People missed a lot of the point in the movie... Um, and I'm going to tie this. I'm such a good host. I'm going to tie this back in the coon skin. Y'all watch how I do it, too. <laughs> well, you know, here, here, here's the thing. People were uh, saying that this is a movie that they didn't feel sorry for the wife. A lot of gay men that I talked to said they didn't feel sorry for the wife because she knew. She, the whole point of it was that she did not know. She walked out and overheard, you know. I mean, I certainly felt bad for her. You know, right. I felt back because she had no actual knowledge of what was she, Right, she had confirmation, and and I was just like, how could you not feel for that woman? And then that some people didn't even get the the fact that the one wife's family had her husband, you know, um, put down basically. You know, it was right. not some ra random. He didn't die for some random act of, of, of homophobia. Her family found out about it. <laughs> you know? And, and, you know, there was so much that was lost on a lot of people just because they were so into the actual sex part All of right. the movie. And that's why I never that's why I never got like like you're saying why I never really was like tripping over myself about this movie. I didn't find it sexy. I thought it was uh I thought there was a legitimate love story between the two characters, but I felt for the wife. I felt I did not find it to be an especially sexy movie. And that's why when people kind of were, were like, 
um, some people were saying they were disappointed with the um, the uh, ending of Moonlight. I was just like, well, everything doesn't have to be a gay cowboy movie. It doesn't have to have that that explicit right, exactly. kind of sex. And then there were people who were saying they were um, they didn't think that the story was all that just because it was about somebody gay in the ghetto. I was just like, well. You know, well, I just I just say, well, it sucks to be you because you missed out on the opportunity. You missed out on you missed out on something. You missed out on something really special. If that's if that's your if that's if the that narrow vision, right. right? If that's your narrow vision into what this movie had to offer, then that's that's really unfortunate because you missed out on something that's really special, and and you really miss out on something that I, that led this movie to being selected as movie of the year. Right, and I'm gonna tie it, <laughs> yeah. now. I'm gonna tie it into Coonskin. So, okay. you had a legitimate story of of uh, a black experience as told in Moonlight. With Coonskin, yeah, you have elements of the Black Power movement and a lot of elements of what Black people have historically gone through in this country, but because it's sort of filtered through somebody else's uh, lens, it, it, mm. it, it's more it's more kind of diffuse and kind of misdirected. I don't know. I don't know if you agree with me. I'm not trying to guide you to, to agree with me. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> Derek Jones is like, Derek, I'm sorry. Cut that out. I use I use Derek's last name. Um, Derek is kind of um, like yeah, right. No, 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 no. I I I understand where you're coming from. Like I said, it it is difficult to sit and watch someone else tell your story when they have not lived your truth. Right. You know. So anyway. Was there anything that you particularly liked? Like anything that you think worked effectively? I'm gonna start with you, Vanetta. The only thing that I really enjoyed, and I'll say it again, is the use of the bear rabbit stories mm -hmm. intertwined into this, which was at the time very modern retelling of like this very clever rabbit getting out of all of these tight fixes. I really like that because I'm a fan of the stories. I'm a fan of just like those um, tales to kind of teach different things. Mm -hmm. And I kept forgetting that it was a Bray Rabbit story. And then I would see some of that imagery and I'd be like, oh yeah, Bray Rabbit, good. Right. Okay. You got me back into the story because there was a lot to turn me off the stories. <laughs> a whole lot. So, I guess I can baby at the end. It was just really, those were some cute little elements that kept me engaged. What about you, Legionnaire? What worked? Um, yeah, I would say the, the references to the Bear Rabbit stories worked and you know I could definitely you know I can definitely get with the uh, the symbolism of the you know Miss America uh, 
luring black men to their to their doom kind of imagery uh even though i still found it a little disturbing um Derek? i really appreciated the fact that at the end the plan that um the mobsters had to take Brer Rabbit out got turned around on them. Because I really didn't see it going in a different direction, and I'm glad it didn't. The, the, the um, I guess, the metaphor of America, it was really interesting. You know, when I, when I look at, especially that, that, that cry rape scene that really bothered me because recently in the news you had two things happen in the news more recently the the accuser of uh emmett till you know finally admitted that she made the whole thing up and then i know Derek, it's not we're, we're not gonna get too deep and then no 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 that sign was not for you and and also that's not for you. That side was for the loss of us of a child that we have no idea mm. what he would and could have committed to this world because she because she did not have because she didn't recognize human life. But I also think you know even in the black community, a lot of people accepted the fact that maybe he did say something to her, but he did not deserve that. But but listen, but to find out that he didn't even say anything Hmm. to her makes it even worse. And then I was watching a a story, um, I was watching a story too, where even these two college kids at a small university, it turned out that you know, that someone lied. And I was like, how hard does it make for someone who's actually the victim of, you know, it just makes it that much harder for someone who is actually a victim of sexual violence Mm. to come forward with Mm -hmm. every story you hear like this. But I just, that scene, that scene, you know, and how casually she said, how great. Well, it's just kind of like how I feel it is sometimes. Like, it's so, you know, people don't think about, you know, it's it's such an old, old thing, you know, that, that, that people sometimes use. You know, anybody out there who's listening and who, who wants to say that I'm belittling, I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying, um, I'm just saying it's harder for people who are actual victims of that but that whole metaphor of of america is kind of like you damned if you do you damned if you don't there's no way to kind of there was no path to success according to this movie if you did the right thing if you did the wrong thing you all you always kind of ended up in the in the same place but um talking about what worked for me um I think on a superficial level, I'm a fan of 70s fashion. I love, I, you know, I like, you know, a lot of people laugh at at 70s fashion and how black people looked or how black people dressed, but black people dressed to the hilt. You could have had two coins to rub together, but mm. black people, you know, black people, you know, always tried to look 
you know, try to look their best no matter what. And then some of the scenes where the where the, where the guys in the tight tight tops and the and the bell bottom pants, you know, <laughs> I was like, that was a look. That was a look. You know, um, you know, just just growing up. You know, we had our school clothes, and then we came home. We changed into our play clothes. Our, our parents didn't send us to school looking like. You know, because they knew we were being judged, you know, they knew we were, they knew we were being judged, um, you know, and a lot of our parents were, you know, upperly mobile, you know, moving on up too, you know, so it was just like, you know, we want our kids to represent. Um, so that, that superficial part of it, I kind of liked, that kind of worked for me, it kind of reminded me of the old Jackson 5 cartoons sometimes and certain parts mm. of it, you know, and stuff like that. Um, Story-wise, it... Like I said before, it just seemed like a distorted... Someone trying to make a Black Power movie that didn't really live through... The, the Black Power movie. Mm. Right, right, that really didn't... You know, because it wasn't just the Black Power movement then, you know... You know, when my mom did sit-ins and stuff, it wasn't, you know, it didn't make national news. It was, you know, it was little places in Arlington, Virginia and D.C. and stuff like that. It was everything wasn't like, you know, everything wasn't, you know, everything didn't make the news. You know, people think that those things that you see on TV were the only things that happened, you know, to help civil rights and stuff but it was it was everywhere everywhere um, i think this movie oversimplifies a lot of the black power movement or the black struggle um it it was very nightmarish yes it was very nightmarish so normally uh this is the time where i would go on IMDB and look for uh, to see if there's any awards given to this movie. Uh, and, you know, there weren't. So, uh, there I were tell, not. I, I can tell you that it has a 6.8 um, approval on, um, on IMDB. I would be curious to know what the demographic of that 6.8 is um, whether it's critics, whether it's you know Maurice yeah. I have to say that the, I watched this movie and then I was really unnerved by it and I was processing and then a couple of days after I watched it, I was at this art show and this lady felt the need to first she asked me what I did and why I was at the event and everything and then she just had to unload on me how she never thought that she had privilege and now she's become uncomfortably aware of her white privilege and she's really trying to do something about it this movie was that conversation Mm. awkward and uncomfortable and it was from the point of view of white privilege because 
even though some of the jokes could have been clever, had we done it, had it been an us voice in the in the writing of said joke, would have been completely different. Mm. And I look at this and I could only compare it to like Harlem Nights, which had a lot of the same themes, but was done in a very different way. Kind of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, rather than like, let me just toss a dick on the table, you know? Right. I felt um, slapped in the face with privilege telling me how hard I had it through this movie. And that's where I call bullshit. That's where that's what made me most uncomfortable about this movie. Did anyone else feel that way? I feel to like I know if you want to show something that's gritty and edgy I get that, but there has to be some beauty somewhere in the people that you're trying to talk about. And I didn't really see anything redeeming. Like, it was all so ugly. And I'm not saying that like, like I don't want to come across like I'm, I'm being superficial, but I didn't see where they tried to find any beauty in, in, in even when the, even when you know, even when the mother died, she was transformed into a thing of beauty. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. you know, why, you know, where was the beauty in any of the black characters? I mean, they had loyalty to each other, but it was almost like, it was almost like they, they couldn't see anything really beyond they got to hustle to get the box. Like there was no, there was no real like they could be clever like blah whatever but they there was really no it was almost like we all we had is animal instinct. Yes. Mm-hmm. But that again, that's a very common thing when you run into a situation like that. There was a situation a few years ago. Um, Legionnaire and I were actually at a comic book convention and we went over to the Marvel uh, area and they had on display a number of the upcoming books. You know, they had like the pencil work and stuff, so it wasn't a full complete book. Um, And they had a couple that were complete. They had some stuff that they were trying to sell. And this one white guy ran up to us. Legionnaire, you remember this? Mm, I do. Ran up to us and shoved this Luke Cage book in our face. That was written by a white guy and was real black exploitational. I mean, this is a very early, early, early um, um this was what mid nineties. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. This was mid nineties, and I got offended. I got offended because that was the only thing he showed us. Now I watched him show books to other people, mm-hmm. but this was the only book we got to see. 
Wow. Wow. But he, but he as a he as a representative of Marvel was very proud of what they had done in telling our story, not having lived our life. <laughs> not having lived any portion of our life. But here's your here's your story right here in this book, and you definitely need to buy this. Because you know, we watch Shaft. We know what happened. Mm. Mm. That was it. That's crazy. So I mean, you know, and you know, they're waking up now. They're slowly. Mm -hmm. They're slowly. Um, I'm not sure that they're waking up. Well, money wise, they're they're, the motivation Mm -hmm. now is is money. I don't think I don't think I don't think culture I don't think concepts of culture I don't think people understand what culture is. You know, really, what it is. I mean, you know, Marvel. We can we can get into that whole, you know, that whole, you know, the the whole aesthetic of 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 you know black characters in in any comic book universe. You know, um, you know, someone needs to tell Brian Singer he needs to exp- expand his color palette. You know. Um, <laughs> In regards to Af- African American women, um, but you know, in, in regards to this, in regards to this movie, it's like I un- understand they wanted to show the harsh reality, but it just was not. It was just like a, it was just kind of a, a you know a grotesque sort of caricature is the word. Yeah, mm-hmm. if people say from the people of for the producer of Cool World, but Cool World also had Kim Basinger and Brad Pitt in it. Right. <laughs> okay. You know. And, you are uh, correct. You know, so um that's that. So if we since they obviously didn't win any awards for this, let's give out a few of our own. This might be hard, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually not. Okay, the worst use of nudity. It just depends on which direction you go. Right. <laughs> right. And, the, and the first one up is the worst use of nudity. Oh, the 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 savior, the preacher guy. Oh, His yeah, performance. Mm, mm, mm. The yeah. sexiest, the sexiest moment. Uh, when they strip bare of his clothes. <laughs> brother, brother, bear. <laughs> so, who was the diva? Oh. The 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 John Wayne drag queen brother. <laughs> yeah, I guess any any one of them could have been. I don't I don't know I don't know maybe the diva was the. Uh, was the mother as she transformed into a, a oh yeah well that's true yes when she had her her lovely transformation transformative moment her little metamorphosis mm-hmm. before being ultimately <laughs> squashed here's one the i can't believe i just saw that moment Mm. I think it was the whole damn movie. Yeah, I can't. I could not pick one moment from that. And here's a new one that I'm adding to the list. What the fuck does Poppy have me watching? <laughs> <laughs> Which I actually said to him if last. I, 
And, and Poppy Kilo gets the award for that. <laughs> Lord, uh, Literally, oh, I sent him a message about a quarter way through the movie and said, what the fuck <laughs> is this? <laughs> okay, let me see. Wow. I can't even say, I, I don't know if I should even say this. Mem- he has one called Memoirs of a Geisha, G-A-Y slash S-H-A, the most homoerotic moment. And see, homoerotic sort of means that you're sort of flirting with homosexuality. Not that it's like, but this was like full on. <laughs> full on low animated porn. It was a lot. It was a lot. It was, it was, uh, it was Gay, was, but not erotic. <laughs> um, I mean, even the scene with the when they um, when the um, sheriff was like tripping and the guy threw his legs around him and stuff. It it it, it definitely depicted um, gay sexuality is very very deviant and very uh, very ugly. You know, it was it was definitely definitely. Um, definitely not a flattering look. <laughs> so this category I have yet to use on a movie that we've watched this uh, season, a feminist icon. Uh, if you could find one. <laughs> uh, I got nothing. <laughs> I, I, got, I got nothing. Nothing at all. So oh, this the creepiest moment. Oh, that had to be the rape. Mm. Which one? Yeah. Uh, uh, when America called rape and the man got hung. Mm. Yeah, that could also be the most disgusting moment, too. Okay, I don't know if we can even use this category. The best use of nudity. Mm. Well, Maybe if Philip Michael Thomas had got naked at some point. <laughs> <laughs> that would have gave us something. The best use of nudity in my imagination award goes to... Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> It was funny when I saw when I saw her. I was like, "Oh, that's that's uh, that's Tubbs." Yeah. All right. Yeah. So here is the moment of truth. We're gonna rate this movie on a scale of one to ten marshmallows. Let's start with you, Derek. I'm gonna have to give this one a four marshmallows. It was just disturbing and wrong and wrong. It's like it's it, it. I will tell you exactly what it was like. <laughs> it is like your president ordering a thirty-year-old steak, a thirty-year-old aged piece of meat, and having it cooked well done and putting ketchup on it. <laughs> That's what it was for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, Legion, Legionnaire, how many marshmallows would you give this one? Uh, I would give it three. I would give it three marshmallows. Um, it was it was interesting enough uh, in that it was something that was uh, had its place back in the day, um, but to say that it did not hold up well would be a gross understatement. I would say, and you from you being from the future, you're you're even referencing it from 2017, so you know where you when you <laughs> right. So, so having an idea of where cinema has come <laughs> a thousand years in the future, it's trust me when I say this doesn't hold up. It's been erased from the timeline. <laughs> All right, Vanetta. One to ten marshmallows. Out of ten marshmallows, I give it an extra crispy number, uh, two marshmallows, <laughs> and I will poke my eyes out with the hot stick <laughs> that I roast those marshmallows on. I do so not <laughs> enjoy this movie. I enjoy little bits of it, which is why I got two marshmallows, but it was incredibly uncomfortable. Um, and. I enjoyed Barry White and Scatman Brothers, but that's about it. I am actually probably going to rate it the highest. I give it a 4.5 just because um, um, some of the performances, I mean, I think the movie's a hot mess. And it misses on so many levels. Um, there's a sentimental value in some of the people who are in the movie. Mm. Um, and some of the performances are are good. And there's a little bit of a, like a retroness to it that I thought was, was interesting. Um, it was interesting. Like, it held my attention. Mm. You know, it was like watching like, a train wreck. <laughs> you know, right? It was one. It was that kind of feeling. Like I was like, I'm not yawning. I'm not bored. You know, but yeah, it was. It was. You know. So I, I give it maybe four, four point five. Maybe around mostly disturbed, and I don't know if I'm ever gonna be okay. <laughs> right? It's almost, it's almost one of those movies that's like I might make somebody else watch it. You know how like you know people have been traumatized. You know. Uh, <laughs> be alone in your traumatization. <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. Um, this movie you know, really so. fucked with me. You should watch it. <laughs> it's like you have got to watch this shit that Poppy made me watch. Okay, but um, so that's it. So I guess it's averaging around three and a half, uh, three and a half to four stars since Vanetta like. Threw the marshmallows away and said the stick tastes better. <laughs> Look, the stick tastes better than these burnt ass marshmallows. They were burnt marshmallows. Don't forget that part. They were burnt. They were burnt. Mm-hmm. And they weren't the big ones. They're the little ones you put in cocoa. Yes, they are horrible. <laughs> little crispy black marshmallows. Lord. All right, y'all. It is time for everyone to report back to their cabins. Your bunk beds are waiting for you. 
Join us next time for a brand new installment of Summer Camp. Once again, here's one of our campers on our PA system with a few announcements on how you can interact with us via social media. Thank you for the intro. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for Poppy Chula Radio Summer Camp and subscribe. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash p-c-r Summer Camp. Follow us on Tumblr, Summer Camp dash p-c-r dot tumblr.com follow poppy chula radio on social media we are on facebook instagram tumblr twitter and youtube at poppy chula radio do you have any questions suggestions comments or concerns email us via contact at poppychularadio.com help support poppy chula radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppy chula radio Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Now, back to you, camp counselors. Thank you. My fellow camp counselors, please wish our campers and the listeners a good night. Good night, campers. Eat well, sleep hardy. Have a good night. Good night, campers. Thanks for tuning in. Good night and lights out.